Welcome back. In this week's episode, we discuss Kanye West's total and utter anti-Semitic meltdown. We talk about 17 reasons Bitcoin makes the world a better place. And we talk about the soldier that got sent to prison for harassing left-wing activists in Israel. I'm Luke. And I'm Rody. And this is the Red Side of the Compass Podcast. All right, so we have a lot to talk about today. This is incredible, the stories that have been going on. Yeah, it's also interesting stories. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I feel like... I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there were some major terrorist attacks in Israel over the past couple of weeks. There were two explosions in Jerusalem, which is kind of nuts. Yeah, that's an un- it's unfortunate. Oh, listen, we are at war, so. Are we? I mean, I guess you could say for the last 2,000 years. Yeah. No, can't for, be that much. No, as as a famous quote in uh, in the, the Zohan, it's like we've been fighting for two thousand years. It can't be that much longer. <laughs> do you remember? Uh, do you remember? It was an an episode of Family Guy where you see um, the Jews. They were building the pyramids, and one of them says, "One of the Jews says to the Jews, it's like, yeah, every every nation has their problems. We're getting ours out of the way easy, uh, uh, quickly. <laughs> it's going to be smooth sailing for us from now on." <laughs> jokes on us (laughs) (laughs) oh oh boy that is that is that that was a great joke family guy has some good jokes recently like they're it's not a good show but they have some good zingers if that makes any sense yeah i do yeah, they have some good zingers. Uh, but yeah, a lot of these shows have uh, gone the way of the dino. Uh, anyways, well, before we continue with the podcast, and before we get into the main topics of discussion, I would like to remind the audience that if they want to see us continue making content, they should like our video, share it with their friends, and subscribe to the channel. In addition, you can hit the notification bell in order to be notified of whenever we upload new content. We're also on YouTube. Well, we are on YouTube. We're on Spotify, Google, Apple, etc. We are on all the podcast platforms. We're on Rumble, if I recall correctly. Correct? We're on Rumble, right? We're on Rumble. We should start sharing the Rumble link, not the YouTube link. Um, and I'm on Twitter. You could follow my tweets at Luke R-S-T-O-C or R-S-O-T-C Well, at Luke R S O T C, uh, and that's my Twitter handle, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So we're also on Instagram at the Right Side of the Compass. So uh, yeah, you can find us there, and you can send me your hate messages there. Send me your best hate speech. I want to see all of your best hate speech. Anyways, Luke so, loves hate speech. Yeah. No. Now that he just now loves like, getting insulted. No, no, I also love sending hate speech. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, no, we're I, not canceled I really, after this. Like, <laughs> uh, Basically, what I'm saying is Elon Musk, cancel me. Anyways, um, but no, that was like one of the first things I tweeted. It was like, now that Elon Musk owns Twitter, I can 
do all the hate speech I want. It's like I'm going to start. Did you really you tweet know. that? Yeah, I did, of course. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to start, start doing hate speech. What are, what are you talking about? That's what that's what Twitter was invented for, so you can insult random people on the internet. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Do you want me to sign up for this? Yes. Can you, imagine, can you imagine me doing hate speech? No. Yeah. yeah. No, I can. That you means can. You can. <laughs> That means you lack imagination. I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, first what you do is you start telling... Uh, you start telling all the people that were fired from Twitter to learn how to plumb. Um, <laughs> what? No, because you... Oh, okay, never mind. And you, It's like you live under a rock. Jesus, fuck. Anyways... <laughs> you, you could you could bleep you could bleep out the f word, right? Yes, yes, I can. Okay, so you got to bleep that out because that is that was not child friendly. Uh, anyways, so we put a lot of effort into this episode, so I hope wait, you're you expecting this podcast to be wait, 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 wait. You're expecting this podcast to be child friendly, yet we're talking about hate speech. Hate speech is fun for the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming to a theater near you. <laughs> listen, there's, listen, there's nothing more wholesome than getting the family together to protest a gay pride parade. So I'm, ju- I'm just saying. Like, yeah. <laughs> you got to teach your kids sexual morals at some point. May as well be. May as well start them when they're young. Any, anyways, before I get canceled for saying that, which inevitably will get taken out of context. Um, I don't actually think you should teach your kids about sex. That was a joke. Um, that was a joke. Anyways, so we put a lot of effort into this episode. Hashtag don't you cancel us. Hashtag too late. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, God. Uh, yes. Well, so if you do like this content, content, feel free to share it with all your friends and make sure that you're letting the algorithm know that you want to see more of us, especially now that we're on Twitter. Right, Rody? We're going to be on Twitter? Yes, Luke. Good. Anyways, so let's talk about why everyone's really here. And that is, it's it's this game called Too Late Who Gives a Bleep, where we talk about things <laughs> that have already been talked to death. And uh, today's topic is going to be about how Kanye West is having a total bloody meltdown. Yeah, what is going on with that? <laughs> like, uh, that escalated so fast. That was 0 yeah. to 100 in, like, two seconds. Yeah, I- I'll admit, I'll admit that, uh, how do I even say this? Um, how do I even say this? Uh, <sighs> wow. Basically, I was... C- at the beginning of the whole Kanye fiasco, when he started being anti-Semitic, I was very much like, okay, Kanye West said these things about the Jews, and he's having a meltdown, but I don't really care, because left-wing people have said worse, and no one cares, right? And and we could get into what, what this is, 
But I always felt that part of this was about how Kanye said the wrong things and had the wrong opinions, and so therefore they were using this as an excuse to cancel him. But I think Kanye West, over the past week or so, has been doing a very good job canceling himself, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Right. So this all started when there was a story about how Kanye West, Milo Yiannopoulos, and Nick Fuentes, they had dinner with President Trump. And Tim Poole decided, because he's a journalist, and we'll get into this in a second, he's a journalist, he decided to get in touch with the people who were involved in the story, which means that he invited Kanye West, Milo Yiannopoulos, and Nick Fuentes onto the Tim Castile podcast. And before we say anything, like, I will point out that Tim Pool is a journalist and his job is not to sit there and tell people what to believe, but rather to get the scoop, right? So him interviewing Kanye West is not because he endorses the opinions, because he wanted to know what happened with the dinner and whatever. And I think he made that pretty crystal clear himself, both because of the type of person he is and also because of what he said on the show and, you know, both when Kanye was there and both and when he wasn't there, which we'll talk about in a second. But these three gentlemen, they get onto the podcast. And at some point, Kanye West starts talking about Jewish people. And Tim Pool pushes back a little bit and, and kind of says, that like, yeah, there, a lot of bad things are happening in your life, Kanye. You know, I feel bad for you. But, you know... The Jews are not responsible for it. And then, you know, at the slightest bit of pushback, Kanye West storms off the show. Him, Milo, and Nick catch a plane to, I forget where it was, but they essentially leave very quickly. And it's speculated that perhaps it was a stunt. And then Kanye West was on the Alex Jones show on InfoWars. And... Kanye West was in this weird gimp mask. Yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah, well, well, it it was a Balenciaga gimp mask, which if you've been paying attention to the news, you'll know has been kind of embroiled in a child pornography scandal. So that was already kind of weird. What? Uh, Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's why you need to pay attention to the news, Rody. Uh, (laughs) So you you can know about these things. Um, although to be fair, I, I wish I didn't know about it. So who's the, real <laughs> ignorance so, is bliss. Ignorance is bliss, but not when you're doing a news report anyways. So yeah, the, the, the this interview is the, first of all, there's a couple of things you need to notice. Number one, uh, Kanye was, Kanye was had this stream of consciousness where he was like talking about Hitler and he was talking about, uh, this one and that one, and he was accusing the Zionists of trying to close down his bank account, and that's all nutty stuff. I kind of like, know. How did he get all this? So I have my theories about that, and we will talk like, about that you know, in a second. He wasn't saying this stuff before, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just like boom, just like just came out of nowhere. Right. So I, I have my theories on that, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I do want to go over the video because it's very important to note that. For all the things the left says about Alex Jones, Alex Jones was being very, like, yeah, normal. Like, well, he himself was, like, I mean, maybe he didn't want to make a scene, but he was at least just, at least just staying quiet. 
or I, was just kind of just. You could see that he was very uncomfortable. He was very uncomfortable. You could see it like in his eye in his face, <laughs> but like that, like that says a lot. Cause like, you know, he's usually the one that says crazy things. And then for him to be like, wow. <laughs> like, and he was giving Kanye every out to kind of say like, Oh, I don't like the Nazis. Right. And, and Kanye was like, I love Adolf Hitler. Right. And I love, I love the Nazis that Adolf Hitler did some great things, including he invented highways. Uh, not true. Uh, invented the microphone. Uh, not true. Uh, but in any case, <laughs> fact check, false. <laughs> uh, but yes, um, he was saying all these ridiculous things, and he was going on about Zionists and all these people he loves, apparently, that we're supposed to, that we're supposed to, like, kind of, you know, like, I guess he thought, Here's what I'm thinking. I guess if he thought he said he loved Nazis and he loved Jews, he would kind of get away from it. But if you say you love the Nazis and then you say you love the Jews and you spent the past two weeks telling everyone about how the Jews are trying to screw you over, what you're really saying is the Jews don't deserve my love. I'm above all this, right? It would almost be a little more honest if he said, I don't like Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think it's possible to love someone like that. He's trying to evoke this Christian kind of, I love my enemy, but that's not, to be charitable to the Christians, I don't think that's what they mean when it says love thy enemy. They, you don't have to love, like, I don't know, whatever, I'm not a Christian, I don't feel the need Why to do you think them. he started hating so much on Jews? Because of all the bad things that's happening to him? Yeah, I think so. Because like, he started out saying how, like, oh... You know, Jews run Hollywood and stuff like that, and um, and like, and maybe he thinks that he's there to blame for that, but I, so, I don't really get it. So, so you you obviously don't know who Nick Fuentes is because that's a very uh big, that's a very big issue, because Nick Fuentes he's he's the he's the anti semite um par excellence in this relationship okay nick fuentes is a man who made his career on basically making threats on ben shapiro's life and kind of saying that six and he million met with trump yeah no a lot of people were saying that that was very bizarre and, and i think like there's a lot to talk about and we could spend an hour talking about the whole thing and i, I don't like i think it's a bit okay. too much for this show at the moment but basically, yes, Nick Fuentes is a honest to goodness anti-Semite. The things he says about the Holocaust and the things he he essentially harassed Ben Shapiro in the street, um, and he got canceled. I think rightly so. Uh, at one point, he couldn't even fly in the airplane because he was wow. on a terrorist watch list. Yeah, like we're talking like real bad hombre. Um, if you want, you sh I think you should look up Nick Fuentes. He has a Wikipedia page. You should look him up on Wikipedia. Um, but yeah, he's he's not a good dude. And I think when Kanye West started getting canceled from everything, I think Kanye met with Nick Fuentes. And what happened was is that you know Kanye West was kind of thinking about like what he was saying, and then Nick Fuentes was like, no, 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 you're you're not going far enough. Like the Jews are really the problem here. <laughs> uh. They're like, like, good job, Kanye. Just go further. Like, do more. 
Yeah, do more drugs. Smoke more cigars. Yeah, well, in any case, uh, well, the thing, the thing, there's a, there's a couple things. I feel bad for Kanye, not because of the things he's saying about Jewish people. That's truly reprehensible. Um, and we know it's reprehensible because if you were saying the same thing about black people, you would be canceled, rightly so, and you'd lose all credibility for any opinion you may or may not have. But I think there's an, there's, this is, a, I think, a demonstration of the ability to hold multiple thoughts at one time. And I think this is something that we need to start getting good at as, as political analysts. It's that, number one, you can be absolutely disgusted with the things Kanye West is saying about Jewish people and Zionists and whatever. You can you can feel that it's out of line, it's incorrect, it's fake news, it's it's demonstrably evil, right? You can also believe that the things he's saying are coming from a place of being very, very hurt, especially, you know, recently that how he got his kids essentially taken away from him. Um you know, and then you can also believe that uh, there is some sort of hypocrisy, and there is some sort of like. Thank like you. See that a lot. What do you mean? Like you see, like a lot of times, anti-Semitic thinking comes from going through hard times. Like for example, like you know, it, before you know, the reason why you know Hitler rose to power was because Germany was going through hard economic times, and you know they were looking for. You know, a way out, and he gave the way out by saying, like, oh, you know, Jews are to blame. Um, and it was because of the hard economic times. So, like, usually when you're right, like, when people are going through hard times, they usually have a scapegoat, and we usually end up being the scapegoat. So, well, yeah, I, I think, I think that's, uh, I think that I, I'm actually maybe that was what I was thinking Saturday night when I was, you know, watching all the other commentators talk about it. I was thinking, like, maybe this is the beginning of the end. Like, that when when you have the breakdown in society, right? When the when the when the norms of society are being challenged, right? Because I think, say what you want about democratic anti-Semitism, but there's this veneer of like, it's acceptable to say that, right? But when Kanye West comes out and talks about the Jews and the Zionists in the in the very naked way that he's doing it, it feels a lot more like he's breaking some rule. And this is why, you know, Jews need to be very careful about the political order because, you know, I see guys like Michael Malice and Luke Rutkowski, they're, they're being anarchists and, and all that. And, you know, they're, they're good guys and I can respect them. But, you know, there is a there is a certain order that needs to be maintained. And as much as I hate to say it, when when government loses the trust of the people and when the people feel that there's something wrong – Usually the Jews are the first to go. So, I mean, uh, think about, yeah, think about what's going on in the world right now. Like, the government in the United States, people, neither side trust the elections. And you don't, you can be on either side and recognize that neither side trusts the elections. Um, money's worthless. Yeah. Inflation's going through the roof. Um, and then you're starting to see that all these people are coming. I was like, well, hold on. Well, what about the Jews? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, um, but yeah, what were you saying about uh, Kanye before? No, I was saying that like, I feel bad for him because he has these things going on in his personal life 
And, you know, yeah, this kid's taken away from him. His wife cheated on him with this guy who's now converting to Judaism to troll Kanye. Like, can you, like, what really? a loser. Wow. Yeah, Pete Davidson's converting to Judaism to troll Kanye. And it's like, yeah, I can hate what Kanye's doing. And I could also feel like, yeah, Pete Davidson, stop being a giant dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's unnecessary. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's not like. like, You're, um, you're fanning the flame. Well, not only fanning the flame, he's being a degenerate loser. And, like, leave me out of it. Like, I had nothing to do with it. Leave me the hell out of it. You know? Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wish, like, one of the things I wish, this is, this is something that was spoken about on Tim Pool the other day. And, and, I love Ian Crossland. He's such a he, he, he's such a cool guy, but he says the dumbest things sometimes. And he was basically I, I feel like maybe, you know, hopefully someone's listening and maybe, you know, this will reach him. But, you know, Ian Crossland was saying like he doesn't like it when people who are not religious but they're ethnically Jewish, they call themselves Jewish. And it's like, Ian, I get what you're saying, but at the same time it's like go away. Like this is not like because you you like, I understand that you think, like, you're you're being, like, smart and enlightened by claiming that only, like, people who care about the tradition are religious or, or Jewish. But we are a nation. And by saying that, like, if, if I didn't care, like, if I was religious, right, and I grew up religious and then I decide not to be, you know, religious anymore or vice versa, it's like somehow takes it away. It's not really how it works. We are a nation. We, we do have the right to a country. We are a nation. And we have our own unique religion. And, yes, there are Jews who are more religious and less religious. But uh, I feel like it's important to point out that, you know, when Ian Crossland is saying things like, you know, you're not being truly Jewish, you don't believe in God. Like, yes, on the one hand, it's true. But on the other hand, it's like not. It's like very much not true. Yeah. And uh, that's what makes anti-Semitism so crazy because because it, it's almost I, it's I think it's like a tired line at this point. But what makes someone anti-Semitic is like if let's say you say George Soros is a bad hombre, right? Saying a Jewish person is a bad hombre is not anti-Semitic, right? You can dislike certain Jewish people. I, I like I dislike many Jewish people. I'm not an I don't hate Jews, right? Oh. So you could dislike certain Jewish people and then also at the same time not be anti-Semitic. What what makes in certain ways Kanye's statements and Ian's statements like they're almost the opposite, but they're also almost the same is that Ian recognizes that there are different Jewish people, right? There are different kinds of Jewish people. There's like the Jewish people that like run Hollywood and they don't know, they haven't been in a synagogue in 10 years. Those are obviously not the same as the Hasidic Jews walking around New York. Um, But, you know, then you have Kanye who's like, oh, the Zionists and the Jews are doing this and doing that. But at the same time, it's like Ian missed the point, right? Um, So I, 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 I want to compare and contrast those positions, but I, I don't know if I'm smart enough to do that. Um, so I'm just going to like point that out. Like I, I noticed someone, someone much smarter than me can, can make the comparison, but we, we really spent a lot of time talking about this. Um, so I guess what I will say is that to me, it looks like the beginning of the end because uh, now that these opinions are coming out of the woodwork, um, we've seen this for like before. the U S for choosing the U S. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think mm-hmm. so. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, also, like... people I've, like, I've heard say... I mean, I've saw online people are like, oh, I'm not worried about Kanye. I'm worried about, like, his, like, 
millions, not millions, but thousands of followers. Well, well, that's true, actually, because people started doing graffiti that said, like, Ye was right about the Jews or something like which is, like, a terrible thing to say. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I think when this type of thing gets normalized, it's, listen, as much as I hate the Ilhan Omars of the world and the Rashida Tlebs and the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes, there's always going to be some random socialist nobody who hates the Jews, right? There's always going to be some Muslim, like, interloper who hates the Jews. That's not, that's not indicative of, a, like, a problem. I mean, it is because, you know, you don't want Muslim interlopers in the first place. You don't want communists in the first place. But their existence in and of itself is a bigger problem than the Jew hatred, in my opinion. Uh, the Jew hatred is not the only thing that – is not – the Jew hatred is not the only problem with the communist. It's not the only problem with the Muslim interloper. But you have these issues where now Kanye West is saying things about the Jews like, uh-oh. Like, uh-oh. It's like a very big problem. Uh-oh, spaghetti Yeah, we, we did an oopsie. We went wrong. Turn back. Turn. Anyways. Well, we did spend a lot of time talking. We, we we did spend a lot of time talking about it, so I think we're going to go on to the next segment, which is about uh, Bitcoin. 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 Yeah. So, um, let's talk about Bitcoin because, as you may or may not know, as you may or may not know, I think this is one of the things that Rody and I disagree about. But I'm much more negative on the Bitcoin revolution than Rody is. I think Rody is a lot more positive about it than I am, even though I made bigger gains in, in cryptocurrency. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say I'm positive. I would say I'm more... I'm not going to say positive. I'm just more neutral, and I am cautious about it. Like, I like I don't have my money in, in Bitcoin. Um, I mean, I can, I can see the plus to it, but I guess for me, the only issue would just be the lack of regulation, and that I don't know. There's I there I have I wouldn't say I'm necessarily positive. I would say I'm more neutral. No, actually, I don't really know. <laughs> I would say I'm more neutral. Right. So I mean, I agree. But I'm much more negative on the principle of it. You understand? Like, on the face of it, like, I know the advantages of it, but at the same time, on the principle of it, I'm against the concept. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So I'm looking at this video by this guy. What's what's his name over here? Uh, by this guy, Dominic Frisbee. And by the way, I found him out through the Lotus Eaters podcast. And if you didn't ever watch the Lotus Eaters podcast, you're missing out. It's a very, very good podcast with, uh, with Carl Benjamin, AKA Sargon of Akkad. Um, he just got reinstated on Twitter. Uh, very good guy. He's what he's been described as a blue collar philosopher, a blue collar intellectual. Sorry. Um, so you should watch Lotus Eaters. I think after you're done watching this podcast, you should go listen to the Lotus Eaters. And uh, he he brought this guy on, and so I'm going to be honest and say that ooh, I wanted to talk about this because this looks this is a very interesting article. So I saw this video. In addition to the Lotus Cedar segment, I watched the video: 17 ways Bitcoin makes the world better. Um, so I feel like we should discuss what I think, you know, what we think about these uh, things. So according to this comment, 
by AWOL Jordy, which I'm going to use as like the kind of shorthand for the video. These are the 17 things that uh, that this gentleman, Dominic Frisbee, says are ways that Bitcoin makes the world better. And okay, so number one, he says separate money and state. Um, I see why one would think that that's a good idea, but I'm I'm ambivalent in that, in the sense that I don't think that the problem with money and state is that money that the state mints coins. I think the problem is fiat currency, not necessarily currency in general. Because up until now, governments would mint, mint currency, right? Fiat. Um, fiat is no the gold standard. I'm saying like government would mint coins, right? Or they would mint money, right? And when there was a gold standard, the gold standard would regulate the money, right? But the government put their stamp on it, right? Yeah, it was a representation of of the gold. It was like it was basically saying like, okay, you owe this amount of like gold but like it's representative by like you know cash you know and right. and like you can you can literally go to the bank and you can like you, you can trade the, the money for for gold you know that's that's how it worked right, right, right so i think he makes a good point that it, it it does separate governments from fiat currency but i don't think that's necessarily like the, I don't think that that's what we want. What we want is the government to mint gold standard currency and silver standard currency. That's what we want. We don't want no government currency. Well, actually, the bigger fear is that the government will make their own like cryptocurrency, which I think other countries are starting to do. And with that, and the problem with that is that they can track it very easily. Well, I would never use a government's cryptocurrency because that defeats the point of cryptocurrency. Then you're just using a digital yeah. token. But you're not it's not a cryptocurrency. If the government the whole the whole reason why a cryptocurrency is valuable in the first place is because it's not doesn't belong to the government. Yeah. But it's not But going back to what you were saying, you're saying that we should go back to the gold standard? Yeah, I think we should go back to the gold standard. It is better it's it's good and it's bad the problem with the gold standard is that that what's good about the gold standard is that it keeps the government in check meaning that they can't the government wouldn't be able to borrow the reason why they got off the gold standard is because th so they can borrow more the, the government can borrow more because when it was attached to the gold standard it limited the government from being able to borrow money because it made it more i don't know how to say it, like it, it made it more real and, and physical while right. you know if you're just if it's like if it's not backed up by anything then it's like yeah go ahead just print out as much as you want you know like <laughs> so that was that's what is, the reason why they, oh, they of got off. of course but that doesn't that doesn't make it okay i understand why they did it i'm saying that the things we lose, namely the governments now have no reason not to print money because the only difference between me having a million dollars and the government having a million dollars is the government can decide it has 
$2 million and I can't just decide I have $2 million. Like you understand like that, like the government by backing the currency in a, in an, in a, in a finite asset, right? You are taking the power away from the government to just print money. Money has to be in relation to the, to the, to the asset that it's backed by. So, yes, I think the government should be involved in making sure that the money's real, but I don't think the government should be involved in printing money for its own sake. But I don't think the answer is then to have a digital asset that doesn't do anything. Um, at least that, that, that doesn't have a standard value. And I think there's, there's other issues, right? Fiat escape, right? And this is number two, fiat escape. Um, I agree with that completely, 100%. Borderless payments is number three. Also, very good, right? No capital controls. We literally just spoke about that, right? Um, no capital controls it means that, you know, you the, 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 like the central banks can't just print currency. They can't just make these cryptocurrencies. They, you know, they can print all their own currencies they like, but, you know, your cryptocurrency is not affected by that. Financial inclusion, which is what he says, if you remember correctly, he says that it's about how there are lots of people around the world who have no access to banking systems. I think he's overestimating the amount of people that are financially included, I think, in my opinion. Because, yes, you like you can get a smartphone to do it, but like I buy my cryptocurrency with money I have on the internet using my banking services. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, what it, what does he mean? Does he mean you can mine it? Where does he think the people in Africa who, who like live in mud huts? Where does where where does he think? Well, I think he's talking about more like instead of fiat currency, where each currency in different countries are worth different amounts. Bitcoin is worth the same whether you're in America or you know a village. No, 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 in, this, no, no, no. in this clip, in this case, what he means is. If you if a bank doesn't want to deal with you for whatever reason, you can still have access to cryptocurrency. And it's like yes, but also no, because it's so digital and you need you need things to get into the digital space. That's the reality. You can't yeah, just like Wi-Fi and a computer. You need yeah, you, it's not so simple and there's a lot of knowledge you need to have for cryptocurrency to mean something to you. And not everyone takes cryptocurrency. I mean, listen, I don't know. Could very well be that there's an underground economy that lives on cryptocurrency that I'm not aware of, and I'll admit sure, that I no don't know. Uh, right, but I don't think is. little... No, right, but I don't think little Matumbo, who can't afford to have running water, is like sitting there and is like, oh, I should get my Bitcoin. No, no, no. I don't think it works that way, but whatever. I I'm open to being wrong. Privacy. Um, I mean, yes and no. It's a double-edged sword, right? So you could see where the... At least with Bitcoin, I know there are coins that that like they focus on privacy, so it's different for them. But you can see the IP addresses of like all these transactions. So I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, digital cash. Oh, so digital cash. What he means is like it solves the problem that governments were trying to come up with a digital with a digital form of currency that doesn't require a middleman. So the, the verification system that's used by cryptocurrency, the proof of work concept that, you know, they use to verify the transfer, the transfer of money. Yeah. Um, he's saying that, uh, that that's, uh, it solves the problem of digital cash. 
which I don't, again, I don't want in the first place. So it's not a, like, not a bonus to me. Like, I think we should have physical cash. Um, digital scarcity. He's saying that, you know, the, that there's, they solve the problem of digital scarcity, financial education, that people are learning about money and how it works and everything. And I think that's good, actually. Finite supply. Yes, that's correct. New asset class. This is a very, this is the, this is the thing that they, he, essentially they created a new thing for people to own. Like a whole new category of things, which like how yeah, often, another asset. you know, like gold, like silver, it's a digital asset. Yeah, it's a digital asset. I mean, it's a, I think, I think one of the things that I think we're going to talk about is how much like I hate like this concept that you can own zeros and ones. It's such a stupid idea. Um, right. Helps the young. It I agree. Have, with you. It, it's amazing. Like that things that don't have intrinsic physical value are worth so much. But I think that's stupid. As a conservative, with the dot com bubble, like there's all this digital. But that's stupid. It is. Like, you do you realize Google doesn't produce anything? Like, they literally don't produce anything of like, of uh, like any product of like value. It's it's all digital. You know, it's it doesn't have any like intrinsic value. It's dumb. It's dumb. But Maybe yeah, I'm a moron, but I don't. Me. But like, no. But at least if you own a website, you own like space in a server, and like it leads to a place. Like, because what's a web page really? Like, it's a, it's a, it's like a, it's a glorified word document if you want to think about it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's code, right? But you like you own the rights to that location on the internet, but it's like. It's, I, I, maybe, I, maybe I'm a moron. Maybe I'm too much of a, like an old fashioned guy. But like to me, like when I think of money, I think of like paper and coins. You know, and I don't think of like zeros and ones. Like who, like who's that useful to? Um, helps the young. This is a thing I like actually. Um, basically, it's a. He said it's a way for the young to get back at the old because most old people don't understand cryptocurrency so after like all the like the taxes that the young people are paying to uh to keep the old alive it's like if the young put their money in cryptocurrency then the then the old can't have it well i think also it just means like the old people have an advantage like they can afford houses and and cars and all that and you know when it comes to the stock market the bigger people have the advantage and so like because it's a new asset class they all don't really know about you know the people that could get there first are like the young people yeah the ones that were paying attention but i think i think he meant he's going further he's saying that because the old are screwing over the young, right? It's essentially a Ponzi scheme, right? Where the young can't accumulate wealth because they're paying yeah. for the elderly's retirement plan. Because remember, in the olden days, if you were a person, you had to have like 10 kids to pay for as, and that would be your retirement plan. If you had 10 kids and three of them didn't turn out to be assholes, you know. <laughs> 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 those, those uh, kids the, those kids would take care of you in your old age and uh, <laughs> sorry I don't know why it's so funny but it's just so funny <laughs> it's true right I'm not wrong I'm not wrong like you had 10 kids and they would take care of you and they'd replace you 
in the in the worker in 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 like the labor market, right? One of the things you have a, a responsibility to do as as a human being is to replace yourself, assuming you can, assuming you have the the biological capability to do so. You have to replace yourself in the labor market because there are going to be at some point people taking care of you, right? So because all these elderly people, they decided, oh, I'm going to participate in the summer of love and I'm not going to have kids because, oh, the government, I'm going to pay my social security and the government's going to take care of me. And they didn't realize that, you know, for the government to be able to take care of them, they needed to have kids, right? So, so they, they like the, the, the government is now going to the young people like, well, we promised all these old people we're going to pay for their retirement and we're going to pay for their medicine. And we're going to pay for the, this it's like. Well, now these young people can't accumulate wealth. So what do they do? Oh, they just put their money into cryptocurrency. It's like, well, you can't have it anymore. See you, bye. You can't have my cryptocurrency. It's not It's not for you to take. It's in, a, it's in a thumb drive somewhere. You can't have that thumb drive. And even if you take it from me, like you can't do anything with the code. Mm-hmm. It's like, I yeah. have to send you the money, right? Yeah. Right? Um, which I guess like that, that is like a, a savvy young people thing to do. It fights cancel culture. Um, I think that's pretty, I think it's pretty self-evident energy efficiency. So what he says is that this, that cryptocurrency allows us to like use the energy that like, did you watch the video? You saw it, right? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he so he says essentially that like it, it's a good way to kind of use the excess energy that we make and put it to good use. Um, uncensorable, immutable ledger. Uh, yeah, I think so. Don't they say like these mining farms like use up so much energy? Right, but he says that that's like the wrong way to understand it. He says that essentially when we generate energy, it's mu- it takes three times as much energy to store energy as it does to use it. So he says that like, Many that these cryptocurrency mining farms, they go to these places that generate electricity and they just go to these places and they set up these like tons of servers and they use energy much more effectively than it's being stored. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. I, I, I don't quite understand how it works, but he explained it pretty well. Uncensorable, immutable ledger. So he's saying like that it's it's like the vera like this was part of the seventeenth one. It's that because you you have this like this testimony of like all the trades, it's okay to like sit there and kind of like you don't need to trust what people are doing. You know exactly where money is at all times, um, right? And then it eliminates spam, right? It eliminates spam, which is I think that's like a minor thing, but essentially because. Uh, it's not as important, but I guess it eliminates spam. But I think for me, what I think the issue is, is that, you know, money is also detached from reality in this, in this world where, you know, it's one more password to remember and it's one more gadget to have. And it's one more, like, it's, it's so much internet. So I, I just want real money. Like, can we go back to the time when money was gold and you had to carry things in your pocket? You had to own things. Like, it's very easy. Like, I, I, I understand why this Dominic Frisbee guy, he's very, you know, like, keen on the cryptocurrency. But I feel like this is part of the, the global plan to kind of make sure we don't own anything and we're happy. You know what I mean? Like, eat the bugs, live in the pod, you know, all that stuff. 
What do you think? Um, that he's very much for. Sorry, can you repeat that last part? No, I I think part of this cryptocurrency push is that it is a, a kind of like a moneyless society where you know we don't own anything. It was very difficult. If you had to carry a whole chest of like gold pieces, like it got very heavy. It was very impractical, you know, you, and that's but, why they went. But you don't, but you don't carry a chest of gold with you. You carry a couple of pieces to the market, and you buy what you need, and you go home. You don't carry it. Who carried a chest well, with them? Well, how, how how much physical are we talking about? Are we talking about like, oh, you mostly keep it in the bank, and then you know you have cash on you? Or are we talking about going completely cash? And like not digital at all. No, I think there's room for credit cards, but I think money needs to be like I could see why there would be a reason to have some sort of digital version of a currency, right? But that digital version of the currency needs to be backed by a physical version of the currency. Yeah, right? where we have fiat, you know, eighty percent of money nowadays is online, is is cashless. No, but could we theoretically have like a digital U.S. dollar if the dollar was backed by gold? Like, like a digital currency kind of scenario that's like backed by gold. Like, okay, so like, imagine the scenario. Imagine, um, okay, imagine this scenario, right? I have in the bank, I have, um, twenty-seven pounds of gold, right, in my account. Mm -hmm. And so I yeah. go to the supermarket and I have a card in my wallet. And what it does is it allows me to use those 27 pounds of gold in financial transactions without having to carry them, without having to carry them everywhere. Right? Because banknotes, by the way, banknotes used to be that it would say, we have a, a pound of gold in your name. And this note is worth a pound of gold, and you can come to the bank and change it for a pound of gold. So why can't we have it that you can have your your bank notes in digital and physical form? Hmm. I don't know, because in the end of the day, people the I guess the question is, what is value then? Like, value is what the people consider valuable so like yeah gold is valuable but like that's not what today's society deem it to be i mean yeah it's used as a hedge against the market most of the time but like you know even warren buffett doesn't doesn't like the the idea of leaving your money in gold uh, i mean that's for a whole different reason so i'm not gonna get into that but um in general like you know what gives something value is is what people are willing to pay for something so like no, no, no. i'm i'm saying that we can have a, a gold backed currency we can have a gold standard currency and still have not only a currency backed by gold but have a digital version of that currency where we where we yeah, where but then you come into the problem again of you know the the printing of money and using that money for but you can't because if, if money – if there's a gold standard, right, then that means there can only be a certain amount of dollars in circulation. And if you increase the gold supply, you increase the amount of dollars in circulation. 
And if you don't increase the, and if you increase the gold supply, then you can increase the amount of dollars in circulation. But it's all based on the amount of gold in circulation. You're right, but how much how much gold can sustain an entire country of 300 million people? I mean, well, number one, again, it would all be relative, right? So if there's less gold, then it would just mean that gold becomes more valuable. And the currency would I mean, be you're right. And if they print out more money, then, you know, each each dollar would be, you know, worth less of gold. I, I get it. I don't know. It's it's well, a good question to ask. I don't know. It's a very interesting question actually, but I mean, think about it. What they can do is they can well what they could do, and this is what I think would end up happening, would would be that each dollar would have a set amount of gold it's worth. And there could only be a certain amount of do- – and the amount of dollars that can be in circulation would be relative to the amount of gold there is in the cer- in the system. So there would obviously be more dollars than gold because you wouldn't want a run on your money because there always is more currency in – that because that's how fractional reserve banking works, right, where you, you, you give out more banknotes than you have currency on the assumption that there isn't going to be a bank run and that – not everyone's going to want their gold at the same time, right? Yeah, and I guess part of the reason why they went away from the gold standard because there was like major inflation. Was it? I think in the seventies, and you know Nixon, not Nixon. Um, I think it was. Um, no, it was Nixon. Didn't he leave the gold yeah, standard? Nixon. Nixon. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he, the Watergate, the president, right? Yeah, Nixon. It was Nixon who. Um, went off the gold standard and that was because of what you just said because everyone was asking for gold back and it was overwhelming the system right but i think that we need to not make mistakes that will cause like it should be like we need to be smarter about it and not do those types of things but we need a currency that the government can't just print because it's a day ending in y you know what i mean like we need to but the answer can't be like oh we just upend the financial system and we 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 get rid of traditional currency we need to get back to tradition and have a gold standard currency because there's a reason why governments were in charge of minting coins and that's because we knew what was authentic and it was something that anyone could use and the barrier to entry in in cryptocurrency i don't think is the solution you're going to create a whole like supply of people a whole class of people who are who are not who are not savvy with technology and they are priced out of the economy mm-hmm. um, well more of the story is i don't think they're gonna go back to the gold standard anytime soon because we are way too much in debt we should uh but uh, no one listens to me and that's why we have all these problems in the first place <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about our third story because I think the third story – we haven't spoken about Israel in a while and uh, I do like Israel because we both live there. So we should probably talk about it more often. Uh, anyways, let's talk about this story. Um, do you know what happened, Eric? So I heard about what happened. I heard that in Hebron there was a soldier that was being um, – that was like – being yelled at by like a leftist activist, and then he went and um, harassed uh, this activist um, by saying his political 
opinions and um, well, I mean that's that's a bit of an understatement of what he did, wouldn't you say? He didn't really just say his political opinions. He he told uh, a left wing activist. Well, well, let's get into the story. Um, let's get into the story. There was a there was an IDF soldier who got arrested for yelling at this left wing activist and telling him that you know this one of the new I think the new defense minister. Itamar Ben-Gvir is going to sort all these left-wing activists out. Um, and then he beat this left-wing activist. But what Haaretz, which the, the article that we're citing is not... I think so, yeah. But wow. uh, what they're not talking about is how the left-wing activists were also um, getting violent with IDF soldiers. Um, and that these left-wing activists were in an IDF combat zone in the first place, which... Yeah, which, still, which soldiers are not allowed to be physical with civilians as well as state their opinions. Well, that's things. true. That's true. I think, I, think, I think it's okay to hold two thoughts at the same time. I think it's okay to believe that we should be disciplining soldiers like this, and it's also okay to believe that these left-wing activists should not have been here in the first place, and that they, um, that they should, um, that, how do I even explain this? The government should not be allowing it needs to be one of two things. Either it needs to be that it's an occupied military zone and that these people can't come here and cause a problem, or it needs to be a civilian area where people can come and go as they please. But it's not. It's this weird kind of occupation zone. In between. But we let our enemies come here and make problems for the soldiers. It's like, why put the soldiers in this type of situation? For what reason? Yeah. Why allow why allow this? Anyways, so Otsuma, this is what the this is the story. Otsuma Yudit leader Itamar Ben-Gvir denounced the decision to send a soldier to prison for 10 days after being filmed threatening left-wing activists and later visited the soldier's home on Tuesday. Um, I, don't, I don't think 10 days is not a big deal. I mean, like, it's not like it's a year or something. It's like 10 days, you know. Well, number one, um, I don't think it's just going to be 10 days in the clink. It's probably going to end up being 10 days in the clink, and he's not going to be a combat soldier anymore. Probably. He's probably not going to be a combat soldier anymore, because how can he be? He literally, he didn't, like, I don't know, that's usually what happens after these types. Yeah, and not only that, it's also, it's not, this is not like an insubordination case, or he did something stupid off the battlefield. We're talking about, like, a fundamental kind of, I guess, a big, big error that this guy made. Like, a big error. And I don't think his commanders are going to trust him in this type of situation anymore. Um, and how can yeah. they? And how can yeah, they? Exactly. Like, I get I get it. How can they trust him? Um, and, and this is whether you think he's right or wrong. It doesn't really matter if he's right or wrong. It seems that his chain of command did not appreciate this. Um, and so they will not trust him. And that's just the reality. This is not a political statement. Um, 
At a meeting with the soldier's father on Tuesday, the Kahanist lawmaker, by the way, this is a smear because you're not allowed to be a Kahanist in Israel, so um, this is a smear and he should probably sue. The Kahanist lawmaker demanded that the IDF chief of staff and the army leadership think twice about this punishment. We cannot allow anarchists to come, curse, spit, and attack our heroic soldiers. Soldiers react. You can certainly take them aside and tell them to opt for a more proportionate response, less proportionate, but to send them to prison for 10 days? It's not reasonable. It's disproportionate. It's not right, he said. On Friday, an IDF soldier was filmed attacking a left-wing activist in the West Bank city of Hebron on Friday, as another soldier was shown telling one of the activists that uh, Ben Gvir is going to bring order to this place. That's it. You've had it. The fun is over. In reference to Ben Gvir, who was named as National Security Minister in the upcoming government, giving him expanded law enforcement powers in the West Bank. Um, that's, I think, very hard to justify. I, You can believe that. But I think as a soldier, maybe you shouldn't be saying that. This is not a smart thing to say. It's not like a – it's kind of a lame thing to say. It's like – you know what this reminds me of? It's like you know when you're like five and this kid's bullying you. So you tell him, I'm just going to tell my dad and you. He's going to come and beat beat you up. Like that – it has that kind of energy. <laughs> <laughs> it has that kind of energy. <laughs> Um, hours after the incident on Friday, the IDF chief of staff, Aviv Kochavi, denounced incidents of physical or verbal violence as against the values of the IDF and its orders. The soldier who assaulted the activist is still being investigated, while the second soldier was tried by his commander on Monday and was sent to prison for 10 days, not only for his statement, but also for threatening to beat one of the women activists. Um, absolutely based, by the way. Should always beat women activists. Um, just kidding. Don't do that. Um... The other soldier is currently being investigated by the Criminal Investigation Unit. Uh, the activists who were being attacked belong to B'nai Avraham, a group of religious Jews who work alongside Palestinians. They arrived in Hebron in solidarity with local Palestinian residents following the violent events during last Saturday's Hayesara pilgrimage. Police also detained Palestinian activist Issa Amro for attacking a soldier and endangering the public order during Friday's incident. Oh, so there was... Uh, Palestinian violence. Shocker. Um, Eli Levy, the soldier's father, said on Tuesday that he sent his son to be a combat soldier and saw his dedication to the role throughout the last year. Uh, to our great regret, his anarchist brothers came and cursed him, humiliated him, spat on him, led him to make political statements. Maybe he really shouldn't have said Ben Gvir will make order, but to send him to prison for 10 days for something like that, I expect his commanders and everyone above him to back him, give him support, and be in his favor to lift his spirit so he can continue the important role that he has. Um, this is kind of, I think, uh, this is, I think, the most important thing in the article, because I'm... I understand punishing soldiers for doing stupid things, and I'll, I'll agree that it wasn't a smart thing to do. Um, but I, I, but what more bothers me here, more than what the soldier did, because like you know, it was stupid. Um, what bothers me more is that it seems to me that everyone in power wants to lose. They just don't like winning. They don't like winning. The only person in this situation. The only, the only, the only person in this situation who has any motivation to to defeat the enemy is Ben Gvir, right? Everyone else, Aviv Kochavi. Oh, we need to denounce the soldier who did the blah 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. What about these Jews that are going and hanging out with the Palestinians all day? Where's like the where's the desire to 
beat your enemies like they did in the olden days. Remember in the olden days when, you know, men would go to war and they would win wars or they would lose wars, but they would fight and they would fight for their country and they'd fight for their honor and they, they had like things to fight for. And it seems like no one in the story, except for like Ben Gvir and the soldier, are interested in winning any wars. It's like incredible. Like, we, we, like this is, I think, like one of the problems in this country. You can be for or against the occupation, but let's just make a decision, right? No one here wants to make any decisions. We want to sit here and like, oh, you know, we'll we'll sit in Judea and Samaria and we'll, 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 we'll sit on our hands and we won't do anything. And when the Arabs come, we'll maybe kill some of them. We'll lose 70 soldiers. We'll leave. We'll, we'll go in another five years, go and invade Gaza again. It's like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Like, am I wrong? Like, what am I like? What am I missing here? What, like, like, what am I missing here? Why? Why do I feel so? Like, no one in the Jewish camp wants to win. Like, there's uh, maybe because they know there is no winning because you know uh, the rest of the world is, you know, much more powerful than us. But they're not going to okay. I don't think it works that way, but for example, these Bnei Avraham guys, like, where's their honor? Where's their dignity? Like, you see these Arabs, they come, they don't, they don't like us, right? They, they come to kill us all the time. They literally blew up a bus a couple weeks ago. They blew up two buses in Jerusalem. And they're like, oh yeah, we should have peace with these guys. It's like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have peace with these guys. Maybe we should have victory over these guys. Yeah, look, no, I agree where it's like, I, I don't think the Israeli government has a backbone. You know, um, it's like, I just want to see them try. Like, if we try and we lose, that's okay. It's like, it's, it's like, you know, you know, dating kind of, you know, gain lack of respect. <laughs> yeah, we did speak about it. It's like, there's a lack of self-respect here that I think so many of these people in the story, it's like, you never see the Arabs. You never see the. This is like kind of like the 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 thing I admired about the Qatar thing when it came to the World Cup. You love or hate the Qataris, you could tell they respect themselves. They have a, they have some dignity. There's a there's a certain dignity in being Qatari, right? They believe that two plus two equals Islam, and they will not only <laughs> they not only don't want to hear anything to the contrary, they will shove it down your throat. They will shove it down your throat. <laughs> two plus two equals Islam. Oh my god! Uh. Right, but but you but you understand what I'm saying? Like that they have self respect that we don't have. They don't have. They don't have any shame. Look at all the shame we have. It's like, like what is this? Like what is this? Um, on Tuesday, MK Moshe Arbel from the Shas party called on MK Ben-Gvir to leave soldiers outside the political discourse. We cannot allow in any way a soldier in IDF uniform to talk about any party in this way. The beloved idea of soldiers protect our country and have to be above politics. What the hell kind of statement is this? There's no such thing as being above politics. Politics means of, of the affairs of the city, right? Saying anything is political. All things are political. The fact that there are soldiers running around 
you know, Judea and Samaria, the fact that there are soldiers in Hebron as opposed to police in Hebron, that is political in and of itself. I don't want to hear anyone say, we can't have politics in the IDF. Yes, maybe soldiers shouldn't be partisan politics, but like, what are you talking about? There's so much politics. Like, you're not allowed to, like, when we were in the army, we weren't allowed to talk about politics. And if someone started talking about politics, they would shut it down. Didn't matter which side. Yeah, but I think that, uh, well, number one, I think that rule needs to be revisited. I think that rule genuinely needs to be revisited um, because I don't want to serve alongside someone who thinks that we don't belong in the place that we're serving. I just don't like. Well, like, you probably already did. I, I definitely did. That's not a question. But the question is, do I trust the person who is uh, who is against the operation to be involved in the operation? I guess it would depend on the operation, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess it would. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I could see why. I guess I could see why. I don't know. Um, but I think, but I think regardless, it's it's kind of like annoying to see these like m- members of Knesset, like we they need to be above politics. What are you talking about? You're you're the most you you cannot tell anyone to be above politics. You're a politician. That is your job to be political, and everything we say and everything we do is political. There's no such thing as above politics. No such thing. Outgoing Deputy Minister of Defense Alon Schuster also denounced Ben Gvir's politicization of the IDF. We will protect the respect of security forces and back our professional commanders who have high values. In a tweet, the outgoing Prime Minister Yair Lapid denounced Ben Gvir. The incoming government presents Itamer Ita Ben Gvir, the national security minister who has been convicted of supporting terrorism, and as a target of the Shin Bet, now begins his role by fighting against the IDF and slandering its commanders. Wow. Convicted of supporting terrorism? Oh my god, that's crazy. Yair Lapid, oh, I'm so glad we dodged that bullet. Can you imagine if Yair Lapid was in charge of a government? What a moron. <laughs> no, like, I'm literally... Um, uh, since Ben Gvir's visit, Lieutenant Colonel Aviron Alfasi, the commander who sentenced the soldier, has been subjected to public threats and calls to resign. Alfasi has received threats over social media and directly to his phone, and some have demanded to arrange a protest outside his home. Lawmaker Tali Gottlieb from Likud has issued support for the soldier and publicly denounced senior IDF commanders. Following the sentencing, the Givati soldier appealed to his commander on Tuesday to commute a sentence. I said a few words without any intention of disgracing the army or committing an offense, and I found myself in prison. The soldier wrote in a letter, You have made me into some kind of criminal without giving me a chance to explain myself. The soldier expressed remorse and wrote, I was stressed out. I said things I shouldn't have said. I asked for forgiveness. Regarding his comments that Benkvir will bring order, the soldier added that he had no intention of being political and his words were taken out of context as he was simply replying to the activists who accused him of working for Benkvir. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, there's multiple things, I suppose. I guess if we have to think about anything, right? It's that number one, we can, we can know that the soldier, um, the soldier screwed up. Okay. I think that's pretty obvious to anyone. The soldier did something wrong. Um, I think just to sum up the kind of things. The soldier screwed up. I think Ben Gvir is inserting himself into a discussion that perhaps he shouldn't be having as a member of Knesset. Maybe he shouldn't be. 
I'm shocked and appalled by the amount of people that want to lose in this country that that love losing and and are, will always play to the other side, but will never ever defend their own soldiers. Um, and that's what you I said, guess, or that's what you're saying. I'm saying that's what I'm saying. Uh, I think that you know, say what you want. Like we shouldn't need Ben Gvir to come out and like be defending the soldier. We should be. Why isn't the government doing more to prevent these situations from happening in the first place? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to be occupying a place militarily, that means the uh, the government needs to make sure that there aren't left-wing provocateurs harassing your soldiers. Like, that's just the reality. And we should make it that, like, there is more to do about these people, that we can arrest these people if they if – they, say things that, you know, if they start harassing people. It seems that there's a lot of Jews out there who don't want to win the war. They want to end the war, but they're not interested in winning the war, which you might think is more noble, but it's not. It's less noble because instead of winning the war, you want to try and end it, which is not going to work because the enemy hates you for who you are. Um, I also found it like the fact that there's mass protests outside the soldiers, like the commander's house, tells me that we live in a very populous society and that there's still a lot of people who feel that there's something fundamentally wrong with what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I think a lot of people recognize... I, again, I don't know the numbers. Outside the commander's people, house? Outside the commander's house who, who sentenced him to prison the soldier. Um, the, the commander or the officer? No, the, I I think when they use the word commander, they 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 know the people who oh, like, are commander doesn't have that much power. No, so the sergeant doesn't have the power, but yes, your officer might. But your officer is also your commander. You're thinking in terms of like military jargon, but this is journalism, so this is how they're explaining okay, it. Fine, right? So their officer who put them in prison. There's protests outside his house. Um, I think there's two reasons for this. I think that, number one, we we live in a society where we're sending our kids to war, and so we want our commanders to kind of, like, treat them properly because they're not – these kids are forced to be here, right? So it's like you're not – like, if they're forced to be here, then you need to make – you need to treat our kids with respect. And I don't think that's what they're doing in this situation because you – the the, the higher-ups allowed the situation to get to this in the first place which it should not be like this in the first place. People like this should have been arrested and detained long before uh, the situation got like this. In Hebron, Hebron should not be where protests are. I've been reliably informed that Hebron is occupied by a foreign military, so we need to start acting like it. Um, Or let's apply Israeli law there. But what I'm not going to have is I'm not going to have a place that I'm told is allegedly militarily occupied, yet freedom of protest is allowed. Like, that's, that's not how that works. Um, and I think it's also because, um, you know, mommy's little soldier. We still have that problem where it's like mommy's little soldier. Um, so everyone's kind of like, oh, you know, you can't get my son in trouble. He's the best soldier in the IDF because I know that because he's – He's my son, and he's the best. It's like, no, 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 it's a lady. That's not true. But, uh, you know, I think uh, we need to... My son? No. My son? My son didn't execute three uh, civilians 
for no reason. He didn't he didn't do an ISIS style beheading. Not my little not my little uh not my little Timmy. bubula. Not my little bubula. <laughs> this, this is a Jewish household. Bubula. This is this is a Jewish household. Come on, Eric. All right. It's not Timmy. Yeah, so um but yeah, no, I'm I'm <sighs> The story makes me angry because it's just like Ugh, I hate the, the malaise. What? He's angry. I'm angry. You know what grinds <laughs> my gears? It grinds <laughs> my gears, the malaise in this country towards victory. Like, we don't, we don't like the V word. I just want victory. I want to win. I want that old-fashioned, like, V. Like, when are we going to have our V-Day in Israel? We can't have V-Day in Israel as long as there are people like B'nai Avraham who are colluding with our enemies. It just drives me bananas. Unbelievable. Anyways, uh, do you have anything to add to that? I think you have something to add to that. Uh, no, I don't. Um, I don't. It's just uh, an unfortunate event and... You know, you're not gonna uh, push back on me for you're not gonna push back on me for essentially supporting fascism, <laughs> or, or, or are you not shocked by me at this point? <laughs> I'm not shocked, and I'm only hoping that uh, you're joking, and that people understand that you're joking. <laughs> it depends on it, it depends on the right idea, and hashtag don't cancel us. It, right. it depends. It depends about what. I don't know. I don't know if I'm joking. It depends about what. What was I joking about? All right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyways, yeah. So, I think that's it for today. Then, um, thank you for tuning in to the Right Side of the Compass podcast. Um, we put in a lot of work into the episodes, so we hope you enjoy it. If you enjoyed it and you want to share it with your friends and help us continue the podcast please do so by liking the video sharing with all your friends subscribing to the channel hitting the notification bell so you know when the next upload is going to be you can also see us on rumble we're on spotify google apple anywhere where you can find podcasts we're there in addition you can reach out to us by commenting in the youtube video or reaching out to us on instagram or on my twitter account so feel free to do that uh, if you have any questions or you want to send me all of your hate mail uh for all the terrible things i said during the podcast in any case we hope you had a good to. time yeah please yeah let me know um in any case, we hope you had a good time this week and we look forward to seeing you next time.